Welcome back to Mark's Madness. Okay. All right. All right. I'm still dead. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just going to get that I'm out of not. the way real quick. I'm still dead. David's not. David David will hopefully energy carry me. I'm also uh, intentionally, well, intentionally or not, I know what's about to happen here. Um, I'm, I'm going to blow both of my rage here in the first probably five to ten minutes of this show. Yes. Um, I also I'm I have no idea what's going on. Um, I only would have found out in this mor- this morning as I'm quick to research things. Uh, but as soon as Nathan told me that he was angry about something, he also told me the name that he's angry about and not to research it. And I'm waiting in not anticipation because I don't want to be mad, but I, I'm about as, no. as bated breath as everybody else. Well, let's say. All right. So first things first, um, mm-hmm. let's let's get some things out of the way. We are recording this after the U.S. election. Um, we still yes. do not have confirmation who the president is. We are almost positive it will be Joe Biden, just based on the way the things come back. Yada, yada. You are not coming here for hard-hitting election coverage. We don't care. Neither do you. Ladies and gentlemen, Claire McCaskill opened her goddamn mm. mouth. And um, that's always, again, if, I am as bated breath as everyone else, but that is always a bad thing. Trust us, Missouri. It's, it's if always bad. I... I don't, I mean, I get, everyone gets their, everyone gets their own New Yorkers. I, I, I will concede the floor to you on hating Chuck Schumer. I also, mm-hmm. I don't like Chuck Schumer. He did some really shitty stuff in that Waco hearing. Fuck you, Chuck Schumer. Um, but besides, I think, I that, think they hate, um, um, not to blast you more. He also sucks, but I don't know if more than Schumer, but, uh, who's the Cuomo? I think they hate Cuomo more. Well, yeah, you hate Cuomo, you hate Bloomberg, I get it. Yeah. Um, but Schumer yeah. sucks Schumer sucks too. Um, but uh Claire McCaskill is is my my personal pet project of a hate, just a just a burning passion. Um we've talked about her on the show. Reasonable. You all know her. She's a Republican. Yeah. She's a Republican who uh got to call herself a Democrat, won two of the easiest elections that any human being could ever win. The first yeah, time she, she ever had a contested because election. Of the A-kid legitimate rape comment. Yes, the only reason she is a the only, only reason, reason she, she had won. any legitimacy that's it was because she ran against Todd Akin. She had she she is the same in the exact same category of senator as uh, uh, Doug Jones from Alabama. Yes, the guy that was literally just swept aside like an afterthought. The only reason he got in was because he ran against Roy Moore when he ran. Fine, mm-hmm. those things happen. You're a placeholder, Claire McClaskill. You're a placeholder. You're nothing more than that. Yeah. You are a fucking Republican who voted with the Republicans every single time. You just got to wear a D next to your name to feel special because you rode yourself in on a goddamn blue wave of Obama that no one could stop. Fine, mm-hmm. fine. But now, ever since she got her ass again, a woman who has never won a contested election, not one time mm-hmm. in any capacity. She is a complete failure at electioneering. She's a complete failure at campaigning. She is the definition of someone the Democrats would love to have on their side because she just has no fucking idea how you do this game. Again, yeah. we don't give a shit about electoral she's, politics. She's she's Biden. But yeah, we don't care, right? I mean, the difference between Bernie and but, Biden is a big deal, but it's not a big enough deal for us yeah. to care because any a- avenue he's going to go into, he's going to be opposed and he's going to be far more reactionary than he gets credit for. And people are going to act like he's the most radical left wing thing. And these McCaskills and Bidens and Doug Joneses are actually going to dominate and they suck ass. Yes, but I hate again. Claire McCaskill is a bad person, has always mm-hmm. been a bad person. Yes. Um, and is a bad and is bad at, at electoral politics. But the, she gets the thing that's been happening is she gets touted out on MSNBC now as this sort of like heart of the people. Well, what what are the people? You know, have we strewn too far? Have we gone away from the message? Let's let's bring Claire McCaskill in to tell us where we should be going and who we should be listening to. Yeah, because which is like when they be, ask U.S. generals what Iraqis want and stuff like that. You know, it's basically it's well, the electoral version of also, that. And they asked her a question last night and she started talking and she said this, whether you are talking guns or abortion or gay marriage and rights for, I'm going to say this and I don't like it, transsexuals, holy fuck, said that out loud, said that on MSNBC. Okay. Uh, And other people who we as a party look after. And make sure they are treated fairly. As mm. we circled the issues, as we circled these issues, we left voters behind and the Republicans drove in. The voters. Oh, oh, okay. okay so this is the, uh, you, oh my God. Okay. I'm mad too. You go ahead. You do your rant because you want to, but I have things to say. Oh no, I'm sure. No, no. Go ahead and say the things because I've, okay. I've expressed well, some first, rage and now, now this and is foremost. fresh for you. So enjoy. Yeah. First and foremost, this is substituting voters 
for working class. Basically, what they do is they posit this euphemism for the people, right? Because working class is about we stand for the proletariat, right? And voters supposedly this is a democracy, so it's what people should want. And so they posit this, and what they mean is specifically a white working class, hence why all of these other people are not in it. These are the voters that are left behind. These voters are only white, straight people, you know. Uh, but a and, and the, I mean, she bashed on abortion, so obviously this is white, straight men. Um, but it's cisgender men specifically, right? Because men can get an abortion, but not not cisgender men. Um, Correct. But guns, uh, abortion, gay marriage, and rights for and I will stop. I will not be using the slur anymore. Rights for trans for for trans people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, obviously those people are not not in your category of these voters. They don't get to count as voters. They're cast aside. No, they're not voters. Whatever. They're not voters. They don't matter. Um, no. <laughs> they don't matter. Who cares? Uh, but also, you know, the, this is the idea of working class and voters and, and all these things. You know, even when they say small business, right? Um, and they're admitting it's businesses, but they're trying to, to get their sympathy on the side. Whatever person they want to claim to speak for or be speaking to, it's always a euphemism for reactionary white people. And it's smuggling in the reactionary politics of the ruling class. And this is what happens when you think working class is an affect instead of an actual class distinction, right? Right? Because working class all of a sudden doesn't mean people who are poor, which include mostly people in these groups. It doesn't mean people who are oppressed and powerless, which includes mostly people in these groups, most deeply people in these groups as well. It includes people who sound country and sound and their idea of country is white reactionary. Right. Like, so, again, you know, this is this is country music, love and folk regular americans when they say middle class this is what they mean this is all they care about when they say this shit and so basically this is a translation for white people who vote republican and aren't miami cubans like that's that's all it is um so Mm -hmm. you know it's i I just i can't it's so it's so derogatory because you're explicitly setting most of their voter base if they do care about votes but also people who need to be spoken for who gives a shit about winning these races and voter base if you're not speaking for and supporting these people most of the people who need the support just get thrown out because they're not voters or they're not the working class or whatever you know they don't fit into these categories these are exclusionary and it's a crock of shit and of course then there's the obvious hate which is like hey these super oppressed people that we supposedly stand up for, even though none of our policies do, but all of our all, all of our reputation and our language does. You know what? Fuck them. I mean, and, and this is the worst part is this is the extremity of, you know, everybody knows the whole Democratic reputation of every time they lose, they look at this and they go, yeah, we got to get more racist. Right. But they put Joe Biden as president with a cop for a vice, vice president. There was no more racist to go. You know, so how do you go more racist? Well, you just give up like they they emptied identity politics to abuse them and use the use tokenization as a bludgeon. And they said, fuck that. That's too much. Empty identity politics is too much. No, you don't even get that. Fuck that. At this point, what is different between them and Republicans? Like already, you know, effectively. That was a good question. Biden shows you exactly that question. And that's that's an important question that you, I mean, you shouldn't even have to answer. It shouldn't have to be this obvious. We should understand uh, this is a class struggle and we should understand this is a settler colonial project. And we have to be, you know, decolonizing. We have to be overthrowing capitalism. We have to be instituting communism. That's exactly what we're working for. Even if you saw like a Bernie difference uh, between like Bernie and Trump, that's not enough. We've still got to do this. But when they make it this goddamn obvious and they're screaming that they're giving up on their symbolic bullshit standing up for the working class, that's too much. What is left? What is left to even pretend is the difference? How does anyone well, think that that works? What's the point of your party? Let's let's get let's get to that then, because again, we've dissected now. Uh, the various horrendous things she did mm-hmm. say. Um, and then obviously she got called out because yeah, you're gonna, yeah. um, the first response that she gave when she got called out for this was, uh, uh, uh Tony Choi on Twitter c- came at, uh, Claire McCaskill just referred to trans people as slur on MSNBC as a reason why the Democrats lost the working class. Claire came back and said, that's not what I meant, obviously. 
Look at my record. <laughs> okay. First things first. Uh, mm, we're going to get there. But one, I've seen your fucking record, Claire. And it say. is atrocious <laughs> for anyone that is not a straight white <laughs> male in if, America. Period. If Fuck I'm you. Claire McCaskill. The last thing I want people to do is actually look at my record. She is saying that, hoping that the words look at her record is a substitute for her record. Because if anyone actually yes. looks at it, she's fucked. It's a, rhetor- it's a rhetorical device. It's nothing. Yes. It, it's yeah. a meaningless statement. Yeah. Fucking get Adam and Nima in here to, to tell you why that's a meaningless statement, but it, it's a meaningless yeah, statement. Yeah, it's, when you, it's, it's um, someone picking a fight and saying, come at me, I'll take you, and they know they're going to get their ass kicked. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's it's fucking stupid. It's fucking stupid. The next sentence is the thing, and this is the thing that I've, we've, we, I mean, it came up in the Tom Brenneman argument. It's come up in about everything under the sun, but I'm tired and was trying to say, before I get to what she was trying to say, I'm tired and was, fuck you. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> nobody gets, nobody who who says, who doesn't say a slur in their day-to-day life gets tired and accidentally says a fucking slur. Yeah, you don't, you don't say, say slurs. things when you're tired that aren't in your vocabulary. You don't say things when you're tired that you don't mean that Not aren't only that, coming out. I fuck Freud and all this, but fuck you. When, fuck that excuse. When you're prepared for a TV statement, you're, you're preparing a statement and you're throwing out not only a slur, but an explicitly bigoted, thoroughly reactionary stance that cannot be given out unless you are explicitly standing with that stance. That's not an accident, right? It's yeah. not just that she said that that slur. Is that she said trans people aren't voters and get in the way of voters and are why they lose and they need to turn away from trans people. That's that's even more impactful than the slur to me. And I'm sorry, you don't say that in a statement where you are asked for your opinion on TV prepared because you're tired. Fuck off. What? Yeah. Yeah. I it, it, this is not um it, again, it's just not something that would come up. It's not something that you would you, being tired does not mean you suddenly like, oh, no, I became a racist because I was tired. Like, right. no, you didn't. You it's are like the that. people like you. Be- I became a racist because you called me out of my bullshit. It's like, well, first off, how did you get bullshit to call out? And second off, that means you were already racist. The tankies were mean to me. So now I'm a fascist. All yeah. right. Fine. Cool. All right. You- so you're saying you were a fascist the whole time. Nice. Yeah, awesome. exactly. Um, so then what what was it that Claire was trying to get at? I was trying to say that we also need to focus on the economic issues we champion. Hey, Claire, what issues are those? Because <laughs> I haven't heard a coherent economic policy that would help anyone in this goddamn country from a Democrat in looks at watch. And also, isn't Keeps Claire part of the contingent that that like even when they pretend to reach their economics in a Keynesian fashion and they're like, hey, you know, fuck it. We'll bomb the global south. But. Well, you know, we'll give the, the local people health care and, and get them on board with imperialism. There oh, was a wing of the Democratic that. Party that wants to do that. She She's part of the part of the party that stands yes. against that. So what in the fuck is she talking about? Yes. On top of what that, econo- so, within yeah. the Metropole, oh, no, oh, I was going to say, well, on top of that, within the Metropole, guess what groups of people, those economic policies, if the Democratic Party stood for them, stands for the most? All the people you said aren't voters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it means if Except you're standing guns. for, I don't think guns. I don't think guns technically yeah. are voters. That's, yeah, that's the one true. part she is correct on. That's true. Guns can't vote yet. <laughs> so I mean, if those aren't the people that the economic policy is helping, who your economic policy focus on? You're saying we've got to be more capitalist. We've got to we've got to get away from you know even the 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 social safety nets that we've been stripping away as hard as republicans and trying to throw a few half ass breadcrumbs to go uh-huh uh-huh we're the social safety net party it's like strip they're saying strip those away right i mean that's the only thing that could mean and if she means to institute the social safety net why is she alienating everyone who needs that social safety net i so then again you get that 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 response came Right after she said it last night, like nine, like 10 mm-hmm. o'clock at night or something like that. Yeah. And this morning, obviously, her PR team uh, informed her, uh-oh, Claire, you have to go say you're sorry. <laughs> That's a bad, try bad. And You have to go actually try and say sorry this morning instead of, like, just deflecting. And then she's deflected some more and said, I'm so sorry I used hurtful term last night. I was tired, but never good excuse. Yeah, no, I'm, we're aware, Claire. We've gone over that. Yeah. Um, people have misinterpreted what I... So, so 
half a oh. basically half a sentence of a non-apology, and now she's going to get into the "I'm sorry you didn't understand what I was saying." Yes, uh, people I- misinterpreted what I was trying to say. Our party should never leave behind our fight for equality for trans people or anyone else who's been marginalized by hate. My record reflects that. No, it does it not. Doesn't player. it? Does not. It does not. <laughs> But you kowtowed to you tried to save your seat against the competent fascist who will be coming after Trump. Put my stake in the ground right now, Josh Hawley, twenty twenty four. Here he comes. He's coming for you, Mm, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready for that. Get ready for that. Get ready for that homegrown Missouri hate coming right down your throat. Bad. I can't believe the 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 rape shit on Greitens somehow elevated Hawley, who was already a fucking garbage pail. It's him or Tom Cotton. It's it's absolutely him or Tom Cotton. It's Holly because Tom Cotton has probably. no charisma. Tom Cotton, uh, yeah, Tom, that's true. Tom Holly Cotton has, has charisma, negative charisma, and he has the neck of a giraffe. He's mm-hmm. a giraffe man. Tom, yeah. mm. Holly is Holly is Josh Holly one of those. He's he's one one of those like college Republicans that goes on a float trip in an American flag swimsuit and American flag sunglasses with American flag uh-huh. cap with like Trump tattooed on his ass cheek and has a bunch of party friends. Like he's, but, he's that guy and people but also went love to that fucking, guy. But also went to fucking Harvard and yes. is a legitimate competent fascist. Like yes. not, not went to Harvard because daddy got him in probably did. No, went to Harvard no, and he knows his shit. at Harvard. Yeah. He's he a reactionary bastard lawyer, but he is good at it. He is incredibly intelligent. He is incredibly cunning. He is incredibly mm-hmm. charismatic. Yes. And he absolutely and will do all the things you were scared Trump would do. And he's in absolutely that 100% um, law and order and quote unquote, supposedly, even though your law and order is somehow anti-establishment Republicans that Greitens wants to be in. And he's got a lot of bona fides from that Greitens shit because then he'd be like, look how anti-establishment I am. I would after Greitens. I care about the law. I care about victims. And you're a he, victim because you're white. Like that's Holly. He's a piece of fucking I, shit and look out for him. And he is, I, and I'm again, we, I will scream this now and I will scream it for the next four years. That man is going to run for president in 2024. You think the judge was too, was too inexperienced like he is everything that they wanted out of buddha judge but with he'll have uh, a junior senator credit he'll have better than obama level credentials as a senator by the time he has to run they have yeah i mean from everything that was do it and bad, he is gonna stomp everything that was bad about buddha judge and i'm not talking evil like howley's worse evil wise than the buddha judge if there is oh such a yeah thing. yeah no buddha um, judge is a benign kind of evil he's yeah pure but howley Holly, so not bad, but like skill at politics. Everything Judge was bad at, Holly is good at. So again, please, please, if you do not, I, I, again, this is one of those things where it's like, uh, yo, well, is, is it the difference between Trump and Ben? Like, Josh Holly, I don't give a shit about elections. If Josh yep. Holly was on a ballot for something, I would be showing up to vote for the other person. He scares yeah, me that he's, much. He's Trump. Genuinely, he scares me that much. He's He's bad. I, yeah, he is. He is a Terminator. I, he is help. He is just, the thing you should be afraid of. Please know. Mm-hmm. Okay, that has been uh, Nathan scares himself enough. But uh, I've got a couple years before I have to get too terribly scared <laughs> of that right now. Um, so in the meantime, we've let got me four just, years. Uh, so let's just overthrow my... the system in that time frame. We're not worried about it, uh, dude. I, no, but again, we have to. We have to. We can't stop. We never get to stop. There yeah. is no stop here. It's not. It's not like the liberals where they get to like turn their brains off That's for three true. and a half more years. And then show back, and maybe they'll maybe they'll throw. They won't even show up for the midterms. They won't care. Um, but they'll they'll turn their brains off for three and a half years. We have to constantly be at this. Um, again, just because it's going to be that bad, like oh god, it's going to be that bad. Um, that being said, we do have to uh, read a book, yes. and we have to read more of a book than we have been reading, so that we can get back on pace. Yes. Um. So that being said, David, do you want to start reading uh, on the top of page or? Halfway down the page of 2.30. Yeah. For the first time in history, the people of the United States listened not only to the voices of Negro's friends, but to the Negro himself. He was becoming more and more articulate in the South as well as in the North. Also, the actions of the Negroes were telling on public opinion and were given for the first time intelligent and sympathetic publicity. Black soldiers paraded a black petition, some illiterate, some like that from the District of Columbia, and excellent excellent and logical form were published. Black men began to enter public movements, and there was a subsidence of ridicule and caricature. The meetings and petitions of Southern Negroes were significant and cannot be discounted. 
Many were doubtless instigated by white friends, but not all. And even these had significant internal evidence of genuine thought and action. In May 1864, the Negroes at Port Royal, South Carolina, participated in a meeting which elected delegates to the National Convention at Baltimore in June. Robert Smalls and three other Negroes were among 16 delegates, but were denied seats on the 17th of August, 1865, or 17th of August last, 1865, a convention of colored men was held in this city, which is Nashville. It was resolved that the colored people of the state of Tennessee respectfully and solemnly protest against the congressional delegation of this state being admitted to seats in your honorable bodies in the legislature of this state to enact such laws shall secure us our rights as freemen. We cannot believe that the general government will allow us to be left without such protection after knowing, as you do, what services have rendered to the cause of the preservation of the union and the maintenance of laws. We have respectfully petitioned our legislature upon the subject and have failed to get them to do anything for us, saying that it was premature to legislate for the protection of our rights. September 3rd, 1865, a Negro convention was held in Raleigh, North Carolina, and adopted resolutions for proper ages, education, protection for their families, and repeal of unjust discrimination. October 7th, 1865, the colored citizens of Mississippi protested against the reactionary policy of the state and expressed fear that they were to be re-enslaved. They set forth that owning the prejudice existing there have not been able to assemble the convention, but they have done as well as they could through the view of their number set forth from their grievances. They represent 437,404 citizens. That's a lot of fours of the United States being a majority of nearly 100,000 in the Senate. These people in a very brief petition ask Congress to grant them the right of suffrage that we may, they say, the more effectively prove our fidelity to the United States as we have fought in favor of liberty justice and humanity we wish to vote in favor of it and give our influence to the permanent establishment of pure republican institutions in these united states and also that we may position in a legal and peaceful way to protect ourselves in the enjoyment of those sacred rights which were pledged to us by the emancipation proclamation so this is a nice bit of humanity really that black yeah. people don't normally get um i mean no. I know there's going to be some happy period before it all comes to an end, but anytime you read about the happy period in Reconstruction, it's like, oh, that's good. Yeah. You don't hear that much in this book, but that's good. Um, a little bit of hope. Yeah, a little bit of a hope. Colored person, a colored people's convention met in Zion Church, Charleston, South Carolina, in November 1865 to protest against the work of the convention and legislature. This began concerted political action by the Negroes of the state Robert C. DeLarge, A.J. Ray, Ranzier, J.J. Wright, Beverly Nash, Francis L. Cordozo, M.R. Delaney, and Richard H. Kane were there. They declared that this was an extraordinary meeting, unknown in the history of South Carolina, where it is considered who composed it and for what purposes it was allowed to assemble. Complaint was lodged against the state authorities in depriving Negroes of the rights of the meanest profligate in the country. Congress was asked to throw the strong arm of the law over the entire population of the state and grant equal suffrage and abolish the black code. And this is the sort of very strong, Mm -hmm. very organized Mm -hmm. action that you would expect to see in the power vacuum left after a revolution of this sort. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were able to organize themselves and they did. Of course they did. You know, and you you see the reaction of capital, you see the reaction of capital mm -hmm. and the ruling class trying to, clamp down and put in place mm-hmm. de jure laws but that were of the exact same you know de facto laws of basically that are of a of the same character that they had they had before mm-hmm. and you have an organized group of people that were part of this revolution that came together and said no we, we won't have that here are our demands um yeah and and so again just as you as you map out how you would expect I, I'm, I'm becoming more and more interested in this as an exercise just at, yeah. you know the things we would expect to see of a traditional quote-unquote you know leftist socialist whatever revolution yeah, um, I mean, the, the, it to where it falls on reconstruction. The scary thing here is when they won the war, they didn't get to seize power. And so there's still like exactly. somewhat subservient demands here. And that's that's kind of scary thing, which is to say we won't take the black codes and kind of petition that up to a group instead of saying, no, fuck you. <laughs> there's not going to happen. Well, that's, you know, and that's again. Yeah. Yeah. That And that's the hard well, thing we've is highlighted. We've. We've highlighted that that was the part of the authoritarian. We are talking over mm-hmm. each other so much this episode. We're bad. Sorry. <laughs> Don't be. It's my fault, too. Um, we uh, no, we spoke about this 
um, as as part of the the you know the the concept of authoritarianism. When you don't, when the people the revolution is fought for do not are not the ones that seize power. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff you see. Yeah. Is you see these kind of waffling of the principles and this kind of desire to try and find a compromise around closer to yeah. status quo than anything else that you see that time yeah. and time again. And this this is what happens in a power vacuum. There's there's three things that can happen. There's one. There's this you know organization, but it's an uphill battle. There's mm-hmm. total you know disorganization and, and violence, as you can see when like say the U.S. creates a power vacuum. But even that that is the threat of someone coming in and bombing you back to hell. That's not going to happen unless there's a, a, a you know, imperial power that's going to bomb the shit out of you. You try to assemble power. And then there's assembling power, which, of course, you're called authoritarian dictators for. But that's the only way to actually resolve and, and uphold your own revolution. For sure. The petition of this meeting, signed by the people of South Carolina, was presented to the Senate in December. They respectfully asked Congress, in consideration of their unquestioned loyalty exhibited by them alike as bond or free, as soldier mm-hmm. or laborer in the Union lines, under the protection of the government or within the rebel lines under the domination of the rebellion, that in the exercise of our high authority over the reestablishment of civil government in South Carolina, their equal right before the law must be respected, that in the formation and adoption of the fundamental law of the state, they may have an equal voice with all loyal citizens, and that Congress will not sanction any state constitution which does not secure the exercise of the right of the elective franchise to all loyal citizens otherwise qualified in the common course of American law without distinction of color. Yeah. Now, again, so they're demanding, is, they're demanding suffrage. Oh yeah. yeah. They're demanding suffrage. Now again, this is after, this is 1866, correct? So this is after, yes, uh, is this, this is November, 1865. When no, was this the amendment passed? This was 1866. I thought it said above. No, it was November, 1865. Uh, You're right. Yeah. November, 1865. Right. Uh, and when was the 13th amendment? When was the 13th amendment? amendment? Um, we're gonna do some research ba, 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 ba. yeah yeah i shouldn't 1865 okay and that would have been Nez- early 1865 I think. it was enacted december 6th so it was a month after this it was enacted um but it was passed in or it was proposed in january so it doesn't say when it was passed the necessary summer, no, necessary number of states ratified December 6th. Yeah, so they passed it through uh, Congress. Okay, the right. ratification was December 6th. Okay. It says enacted, and I'm fine. like, isn't it active when it goes into power? I guess it goes into power immediately. Then. All right. And this is the kind of thing, no, yeah, so it has to, uh, amendments all have to go to the states before they can get enacted. Um, yeah. You've got to kind of go through that whole process. Um, but this yeah. is relevant, and again, this is just, again, tying it back to what we did, and, and how, again, how media plays it, and how our, our history plays it. Um, we watched in Discord last weekend, uh, the Lenko movie. Um, yeah, which and, is one of the better they, ones, and, and even it's crap. There are a lot of things in there that I said that that, that were very well done. Again, everything yeah. involving Thaddeus Stevens, yeah, yes. oh, yes. just mm, wonderfully so done. good. Um, the Thad Daddy is great. Uh, B- uh, James Spader playing this Bilbo character that I was unaware of from a couple <laughs> episodes back. Oh, masterclass Spader, masterclass James Spader Baggins. Um, uh, James Spader Baggins. That being said, every time Abraham Lincoln was on screen, I wanted to scream and punch somebody. Also, every time Mary Todd Lincoln was on screen, I wanted to strangle Sally yeah. Field by the end of that movie. Yeah. Um, I do not enjoy her as a human being anymore as, as a result of that. And I know she was playing a character, but you made a choice, <laughs> Sally. Live with it. Um, it was not, it was not fun, but uh, they made it out to be, and this is the thing. I get it. You're writing a movie or whatever, but this is how it's taught. Oh, we passed the 13th Amendment. It's over. We yeah. did it. We did the thing. Hurrah. All better. We did the thing. Look at what these people are asking for in 18, at, after all this has happened. Mm-hmm. Look at what, look at the kind of base level demands that are having to be begged for mm-hmm. as you're all having your throw your things up in the air and celebrate. We've done it. Here we are. We've enshrined it. Mm-hmm. It's never, it's your job ain't done. And, nope. and, and imagining that power can come anywhere from the bottom up. Imagine that you have this kind of, I've declared it. And so it is from on high. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I'm not saying, you know, you can't have hierarchy or anything like that, but I'm saying if the people, if you have not taken this policy to the people and you don't have the p- support of the people to raise it up and support you from the bottom, you can declare whatever the hell you want. It ain't going to mean, it ain't going to mean jack shit. Yeah. Especially if you're not going to enforce it, which we're going to find out real quick. They don't have the balls that, to do. And that's the biggest thing. I mean, that's what we're going to have to take away here is, is you definitely have to have a buy in for the people, which is why radicalizing the people is important and is why, you know, yes. like you can't come in and say, 
think someone needs a revolution somewhere else and do a revolution for them. People have got to liberate themselves. Not only does yes. it give them their own autonomy, but that's the only way that people are going to have buy-in. But there's still going to be, of course, a huge group of people that don't buy in. And we know in this country that's going to be a pretty tough nut to crack. The only way you're going to keep those people in line is being da, 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 authoritarian. Oh, just keeps coming back to that. I don't like mm-hmm. it. I don't want it to, but there it is. Stares you in the face. Um, there's actually, yes. Uh, freedom of law, constitution does not the colored people of Alabama. The people of Alabama in convention in Mobile in 1866 called upon Congress to provide some means of making their freedom secure. They say that in this city where they were assembled in convention, several of their churches had already been burned to the ground by the torch of the incendiary and threats are frequently made to continue the destruction of their property. The means of education for their children are secured to them only by the strong arm of the United States government against the marked opposition of their fellow white citizens. While throughout the whole state, the right to participate in the franchises of the freedmen is denied as insulting to white men. And a respectful appeal addressed by some of their people to the late state convention was scornfully laid upon the table. Some of the members even refusing to hear its reading. They also state that many of their people daily suffer almost every form of outrage and violence at the hands of whites. That in many parts of their state, their people cannot safely leave the vicinity of their homes. They are knocked down and beaten by their fellow white citizens without having offered any injury or insult as a cause. They are arrested and imprisoned upon false accusations. Their money is extorted for their release or they're condemned to imprisonment at hard labor. That many of their people are now in condition of practical slavery, (laughs) being compelled to serve their former owners without pay and call them master. Come the fuck on. They express a hope that that what's the fucking difference? They express a hope that Congress may be led to give them an opportunity to verify these statements by suitable testimony and also further hope that Congress will grant them the protection they need just give them a chance just give them yeah this is not they're not asking for the world here people and they should and And obviously should obviously this is very evolved uh form of modern slavery and so the the prison is not just down to explicitly slavery that it was um you know we see slavery with contracting and outsourcing and of course state jobs instead of just working on the plantation working on plantations um and we see you know forms of torture and and other forms of of punishment for daring step out of line uh or i mean let's face it for being black um you know, in prisons today. So there's a lot more to it than just they went back to the plantations because this stuff evolved. But that's an evolution of uh, prison being a modern form of slavery. As you can see here, it started off prison was just just an excuse to re-enslave people. That's all it was explicitly. And it stands as that today, just in a slightly different form. It's evolved and it's gotten more, again, as everything with capital has, it's gotten more obfuscated. It's gotten harder mm-hmm. to harder to point out in black and white but but again when you can trace its origins it's far when you when you know what the start point looked like it's far Mm -hmm. easier to see the evolutionary path it took to get where it is yes and this is exactly where it started Mm -hmm. uh david 1866 In 1866, January 10, a Negro convention at Augusta, Georgia, appealed to the Georgia legislature. The freedmen declared that during the period of the war, the majority of them had remained silently at their homes, although they had known their power to rise and to fire your houses, burn your homes and railroads, and discommode you in a thousand ways. During the war, they had been forced into war service by the South. They had been compelled to throw up breastwork forts and fortifications and do the work of prisoners under the guns of the enemy, where they say many of us in common with yourselves were killed. But now they declared that they could no longer remain indifferent when the state was passing laws which would bind them in future years. Against these laws, they would protest firmly and openly. Another address in the same year called attention to the treatment of the Negroes were receiving in all walks of life throughout the state. On railroads, they paid equal fare with others, but they did not get half the accommodation. They were cursed and kicked by the conductors. Their wives and sisters were blackguarded and insulted by the scrapings of earth. And if they spoke for their treatment, they were frowned upon with contempt and replied into bitter epithets. So, I mean, and this is this is something explicitly here. They said, you know, we were good. We did everything you wanted and it didn't matter. You still want to kill us. Yeah. You still want to reinstate us. There is us. no amount of there is no amount of towing the line of being the 
the model yeah. citizen that they want you to be that will ever earn you this luxury. Yeah, Again, can you do never it just obey cases? the law, just be hardworking. That's never going to work. That's just exactly. bullshit. Dog. And this is this is not to say that there's not four. There's three or four people that they'll point to and go, oh, well, look at them. They've risen up there. Oh, look at Frederick Douglass. Yeah. Whoever you want to point to. That does not change the vast mm-hmm. majority, the mm-hmm. overwhelming majority of the situation, that there is no amount of that you could be that would matter to the white man. None. No. And this also brings None. up something that uh, Perenni points out well in, in Black Shirts and Reds is it's it's not just hate for hate, right? I mean, the hate is ingrained. The hate is deep. And the hate tells you who they want to blame things on and who they want to take things out on very violently. But it's not hate for hate. It's hate for self-interest, right? They lost their oh, plantations. Yeah. Like that's their moneymaker. That's, that's how the, the free labor is and, and, and free land is a big moneymaker and you don't want to lose that. So yeah, I mean, of course there's a very racist, extremely violent reaction, um, you know, again, they, they trained the, the white working class to think that they're in some job competition and like, you know, all oh, the black people yeah. coming out of their jobs. So they wanted to push them back to the plantations. So there was no competition because how dare you go to the plantations, right? Um, there's, there's no yeah. money in that. Uh, so again, you know, it's, it's leveraging self-interest and it kind of even goes back to what Marx said, you know, it doesn't really matter if a capitalist is, is good or well-intentioned, if they work alongside you or they, they sit back, you know, a, a fattened cow on the couch, you know, it doesn't matter, right? None of that matters because they're motivated. They're motivated to exploit and they're motivated to exploit in the most ruth- most ruthless way. And this came out of a situation where people weren't even just exploited. People were property. I mean, imagine... First, you have to dehumanize someone to think of them straight up as property and generationally own the family and breed them like they're animals and and then throw on the fact that it's such an extreme hyper exploitation that your variable capital is is to you the same as your constant capital. Mm-hmm. I mean, just uh, Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. Um, so I mean that's and so losing that that's a lot of self interest to lose and so there's a lot of very deeply motive, motivated powerful animus um, coming at them and they, sure. it doesn't matter how good they were that animus is motivated they lost you know they lost their war they don't want to lose their plantations you're going to get re enslaved no. you could be as good as you want they want their money. Uh, yep. Major Martin R. Delaney, the most distinguished Northern Negro in South Carolina, declared in a letter to President Johnson, what becomes necessary to secure and perpetuate the union is simply the enfranchisement and recognition of political equality of the power that saved the nation from destruction, a recognition of the political equality of the blacks with the whites in all their relations as American citizens. Now, <laughs> Major Martin R. Delaney um, He's kind of underestimating what's needed, but he's he's making an appeal for a very little ask, and an appeal that you will know. get absolutely rejected. This is again, this was yeah. like the this was the huge crux of the the climax of the of of Linko was yeah. they they had to get Thaddeus Stevens to say that he doesn't believe that that they're actually equal. He just wants equality before the law. That's all. He doesn't yeah. want them to be politically equal. He doesn't want them enfranchised or given the vote. He just wants them to be equal under the law. So, uh, and that was seen as a. A, yeah. a shocking admission like yeah no you're not going to get political equality too you're not getting anything you're not this is no they've they gone don't as want far you to as they'll that. go and they consider that a concession yeah a correspondent of the charleston daily courier writing from sumter south carolina reported november 4th 1866 an organized movement among negroes to better their condition they held large assembly to deal with the problems of the hour this being meeting on a larger scale than the that of many other such which had been held that for that purpose in the section that was a weird sentence during the four hours of this meeting the correspondent reported that there was not uttered a word about negro suffrage and other political questions the keynote of the meeting was to secure a fair and remunerative reward for labor the contract system had proved to be unequal and unjust and they were advised to resort to the share system here we go to sharecropping. Oh, good, 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 good. 
Uh, the Black West protested to the admission of Colorado with white suffrage. On January 24, 1866, Senator Brown of Missouri said, I present a petition of certain citizens of Denver in the territory of Colorado showing that the state constitution framed by a citizens convention and adopted by almost insignificant majority of the legal voters of Colorado preparatory to admission as a state excludes all colored citizens of the territory of Colorado from the right of suffrage by the incorporation in the instruments of the words, all white male citizens. The petitioners therefore beseech your honorable body not to admit the territory as a state until the word all white be erased from her constitution. Thank you, Senator Brown. Thank you, Senator rare, Brown. But yeah, rare good one from Missouri, barely. but still yeah, very barely. And of course, I feel like he didn't win. Uh, the most significant, the most significant meeting-, meeting took place in the North, where a national convention met in Syracuse, New York, in October 1864. Besides Frederick Douglass, it was attended by George L. Ruffin, who afterwards became the first Negro to sit on the bench of Massachusetts, George T. Downing of Rhode Island, Robert Hamilton of New York, William Howard Day of New Jersey, Jonathan C. Gibbs, who later became Secretary of State and Superintendent of Education in Florida, Peter H. Clark of Ohio, Henry Highland Garnet, the Negro preacher Dr. Peter W. Ray of Brooklyn, and many other leaders of the free Negroes. The resolution said, The weakness of our friends is strength to our foes. When the anti-slavery standard representing the American Anti-Slavery Society denies that society asks for the enfranchisement of colored men, and the liberator apologizes for excluding the colored men of Louisiana from the ballot box, they injure us more vitally than all the ribald jests of the whole pro-slavery press. Again, Claire McCaskill. Yeah. When the people that are ostensibly on your side come out and show that they're not, it hurts more. It shouldn't, but it does. It does. It and stinks, this is exactly what they're talking about. Immaterial consequence and animal exactly. consequence. Both, you know. Um, exactly. And that is an exact encapsulation of that sentiment. Yeah. In the ranks of the Democratic Party, all the worst elements of the American society fraternize. Now, yeah. they, and we they mean not- this back when the party's flipped, but it's also still true. Because, nope, just holds true. Yeah. Just, it's, it's nice just, when just things have true. gone so far that it's just yeah. universally accurate. Yeah. And we need not expect a single voice from that quarter for justice, mercy, or even decency. To it, we are nothing. The slaveholders, everything. How stands the cause of the great Republican Party in question? We have already alluded to it being largely under the influence of the prevailing contempt for the character and rights of the colored race. This is seen by the slowness of our government to employ the strong arm of the black man in the work of putting down the rebellion and in its unwillingness after thus employing him to invest and with this to invest him with the same incitements to the deeds of daring as white soldiers, neither giving him the same pay rations and protection nor any hope of rising in the service by meritorious conduct. It is also seen in the fact that in neither of the plans emanating from this party for reconstructing the institutions of the southern states are colored men, not even those who had fought for the country, recognized as having any political existence or rights whatever. So again, the more things change, the more they stay the same. You flip the parties as if that matters. And we're giving a lot of credit to Democrats to call them even as good as the old Republicans. And it was like, okay, so what about the great Republican Party that stands with us? What about the ones on the side? Oh, they do absolutely nothing and show blatantly in their policies that they don't give a shit of even calling black people human. Wow, that's that's a great other option. (laughs) Uh, continuing quote, do you then ask us to state in plain terms just what we want of you and just what we think we ought to receive at your hands? We answer, first of all, the complete abolition of slavery of our race in the United States. We shall not stop to argue, or no, you sh- should you. We feel the terrible sting of the stupendous wrong and that we cannot be free while our brothers are slaves. Yes. Um, Pretty basic step one, considering you passed the 13th Amendment, but here we live. Yes. Uh, We want the elective franchise in all the states now in the Union, and the same in all other such states that may come into the Union hereafter. Right to vote. Really simple. Uh, We believe that the highest welfare of this great country will be found in erasing from its statute books all enactments discriminating in favor or against a class of its people by establishing one law for white and colored people alike. It's going to be more important to do that in practice. Mm -hmm. But again, back at this time, that wasn't even in writing. (laughs) 
whatever prejudice and taste may be innocently allowed to do or to dictate in social and domestic relations, it is plain that in the matter of government, the object of which is the protection and security of human rights, prejudice should be allowed no voice whatsoever. Yes, something this country still badly fails at, because freedom freeze peach. Um, your fathers laid down the principle long ago that universal suffrage is the best foundation of government. We believe as your fathers believed, and as they practiced, for in 11 states out of the original 13, colored men exercised the right to vote at the time of the adoption of the federal constitution. Fellow citizens, let us entreat you. Have faith in your own principles. If freedom is good for any, it is good for all. If you need the elective franchise, we need it even more. You are strong, we are weak. You are many, we are few. You are protected, we are exposed. Clothe us with this safeguard of our liberty and give us an interest in the country to which, in common youth with you, or in common with you, we have given our lives and poured our best blood. You cannot need special protection. Our de- degradation cannot be essential to your elevation, nor our peril essential to your safety. You are not likely to be outstripped in the race of improvement by persons of African descent, and hence you have no need for superior advantage, nor the nor to burden them with the disabilities of any other kind. Which makes me think. Uh, so there's there's a Kwame Ture quote where he talks specifically about voting, right? Because you know people talk to, to Kwame Ture about not voting, and he says. I believe well they should. Yeah. And he says, I believe in the vote. I bled for the vote, but the vote isn't the path to power. The vote was a way to organize my people. That's what Kwame Ture said. So there was an amazing, I have to, I'll have to find him in Lincoln. There is a, uh, uh, seventh grade history teacher, uh, 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 blacks history teacher in uh, New York city who has a TikTok because yes, I'm on TikTok. I'm young. I'm hip. I know. I know what all of you Gen Z kids are up to. I do check the TikTok occasionally. It can be fun. It's fun. Um, uh, and he just does amazing because it's only a minute. It is the kind of stuff. Oh, my God. If I could just pay him to just do everything because he, he does such amazingly good one minute encapsulations of mm-hmm. all the kinds of things we are talking about in here. And they've done that with the vote that the, there is this, uh, this fallacy, this, this conflation of, of being tied. It's sunk. He, he did it under the guise of sunk cost fallacy, which I thought was brilliant of, mm. well, our, 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 how dare you degrade the memory of our ancestors who fought and died and, and struggled for the vote. And then you, you throw it away and it's, and, and the argument is no, 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 no. Be, just because we put our efforts into that because it was the thing to do at the time or it was the option we had available does not mean that moving on from it and exploring other avenues and taking other avenues is not the thing to do. Our ancestors didn't die simply to have the vote. They died because that was their path to power and that was their path to to, to gaining access to the other things they would need. It mm-hmm. was not the end. It was a means. And you can't look at it as such. Yes. So continuing on this quote, which I think all but wraps up the chapter, just a couple more paragraphs. Uh, we may yeah, conquer paragraphs. We're almost there, guys. We may conquer southern armies by the sword, but it is another thing to conquer southern hate. Now, what is the natural counterpoise against this southern mal- malign hi- history? Our hostility. This is it. Give the elective franchise to every colored man of the South who is of sane mind and arrived at his age of 21 years, and you have at once 4 million friends who will guard their villages. By the way, if anyone's confused at the time, the right to vote was 21 years, not 18. Uh, And if need be, defend with their arms. The arc of federal liberty from the treason of pollution and her enemies. You are sure of enmity of the masters. Make sure of the friendship of the slaves. For depend upon it, your government cannot afford to encounter the enmity of both. And, and end of quote. And so at first, Abraham Lincoln looked backwards, some stable place in the relation of blacks and whites in the South on which men could begin to build a new edifice for freedom. And he gave only one word that had in it a ring of harshness. He was willing to accept almost any overture on part of the South, except that he would not return Negroes to slavery. And if any law compelled the executive to do this, that executive would not be Abraham Lincoln. There could be no doubt that Abraham Lincoln never would have accepted the black coats. He began by looking backwards and then turned this forward-looking word. And on the other hand, Andrew Johnson started looking forward towards free land and the interests of the suppressed laborers in the South. And then realizing that one half of this laboring class was black, he turned his face towards reaction. He kept to the black codes, and thus he faced the winter of 1865, the representatives of people of the United States of the 39th Congress assembled. Okay, 
symbolic mother, we thy myriad sons, pounding our stubborn hearts on freedom's bars, clutching our birthright, fight with faces set, still visioning the stars. Jesse Fawcett. Yes. Um, so something, oh, something interesting at the end of the chapter there, and it tells you, you know, and this is where it, the, the, difference in presidents kind of kind of matters kind of doesn't right lincoln pushed again you know when he talks about the one word he would lincoln would not accept slavery right would not accept slavery and so lincoln hard harshly opposed the black codes but how much did he do action wise to actually oppose them but of course at his assassination and andrew johnson coming into power reaction set in and voila the black codes flourished yep yep and uh Again, I think it's 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 handy. We we almost we never plan this. I swear, I swear we're not you know us. You've listened to the show. We're not good enough. But the amount of times we end a chapter just exactly at the time it would normally be for cutoff is yeah. shocking. It's I think yeah, it's happened good. almost every chapter of this book. We good. Um, we good. It's just it's just been good. Mystical skill. Um, I do <laughs> speaking of mystical skills, I'm gonna yes. give you guys a teaser for next chapter because oh baby, get David in here because guys. It's time for the transubstantiation of a poor white. Uh, and if boy. and if anybody knows anything about trans and consubstantiation, it should be our uh, resident Catholic expert here, David. Oh, Come on down. No. We're going to substantiate. Why uh, would you do that to oh. me? <laughs> oh, no. I, I, oof, uh, it, it, was, it was a low blow, but here we are. Uh, um, yeah. So, guys, next up. Cross uh, check to the back. Yeah, yeah. It was, I guess that's the only way cross check comes is to the back. Wait, why would I even specify that? But that was a cross check. Yeah, it was bad. I guess um, I guess it's only boarding it, if it's in the back. But yeah, it was boarding. I was about to say it's boarding. You can cross check a guy to the chest. Yeah, you can. Um, you can. This boring. has been hockey talk. Um, <laughs> we are a hockey so podcast. We've established this. We are a hockey podcast that occasionally reads marks. Um, th- so again, a good another another chapter. I think again, these have been in terms of the writing and the ability again anytime it feels like it's losing losing steam or something it's like oh cuz we're at the end of the chapter all right you got us right there thank yeah. you you've got us this is just an, an impeccably crafted book to this point like this is it, it is really incredible um and people that are picking it up and reading it along with us you are not yeah. i promise you you will not be disappointed this is this is, this is some incredible is a, stuff here. it's a scholar scholar not in the stuffy type like in, in the no. well educated type he's yes he's a scholar that earned his degree didn't just get it paid for by mom and dad yeah no and 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 deserves all the accolades he gets mm-hmm. that being said this is the one point where i have to point out the sheer number of folks on the twitter yes citing dr du bois oh, about God. why we should have uh, about voting and then not remembering that he did also write that whole thing that we have read word for word on this show about why you won't vote uh it's. I don't know how you know enough about Du Bois to get him that wrong. I there was one. Like, there was one I saw. It was a take where someone was so close to right. They they basically saw the talent to Ted thing and went, "This is bullshit." Uh-huh. And the reaction to that was, yeah. "Fuck Du Bois!" Like they didn't know Du Bois turned away from it. Turned they away. Yeah, no, no, Du Bois was, was a communist by the time he died. It was like you're so close. I'm glad you took that stance. Here's a little more like, about Du Bois. How do you get that far into a person to not know? I guess it's just a matter Again, of which part you encounter first. Yeah, it, it's which and part. And it's intentional. First. And it's this is the part. Yeah, this part I mean, is very well covered up. Yeah. There's, how is this there's, not the default textbook for how you teach Reconstruction in America? How is this not this on purpose? Everything we've gone through. But on purpose. Guess, fine, they want to glorify fine Lincoln. They want to keep kids dumb. But yeah, you could go this book if you covered this book. If you were a teacher and you had to cover, you had to cover Reconstruction as a college level mm-hmm. class. You could yeah. you could assign this book, nothing else, and you yeah. would nail it. Yeah, this is insane. It's a, it's incredible, and I still don't know. This I know book, almost nobody book, who had encountered it before this. There's an enormous amount of American history, and you know, one on one level college class. And we say one on one. Any college I've ever been to, one on one level classes aren't actually one on one. They're like one thousand thirty five. But you know, everyone oh, yeah. knows what I mean when I say a one one on one class. Um, yes, one on one level history class. You know, you shouldn't expect that much from it. But to be honest with you, the best way to run a one on one level history class if you don't give this to high school kids which let's face it what the hell high school has ever done that is to just focus on this book that would be the best way to teach american history i mean because there's so much more in american history that won't touch but how in-depth is a one-on-one level and how impactful is you, just going to this book yeah. how illustrative is it how many you could how do many anything, narratives the does civil it clarify war and the cut and debunk and yeah 
Because most American history is split into two sections prior to the Civil War and then after the Civil War. Yes. Um, yes. As, yes. And as then if you could sneak in chapter one, paragraph one of State and Rev, and just <laughs> sneak that sneak that paragraph in and not really say who it's from so you don't piss off the school board, and then read this book. And that, I mean, obviously all of State and Rev is important, but that one paragraph plus this would be pretty illuminating. I, I, I think people would suddenly think a little harder about America um if they did that um all of that said um this has been this has been as always david i think it's been i don't know how long it's been but i think it might be time for a disclaimer oh speaking of disclaimer time so people get caught up in this election because you know who gives a shit about the election but people do and whether it's a continuation of black Lives matter protests uh certainly stuff that's been still going on in portland (laughs) uh or election protests specifically people got to remember there's a protest going on out there and uh, that's just one type of action. You know, organizing does not just mean go to a protest or organizing protest. Um, protests are important, but what's really important is the day-to-day stuff in between is making sure people are fed, making sure people are clothed, making sure people are educated. Um, and of course people are going to listen to you more if you're <laughs> fitting their needs. If you're finding out like, Hey, you're facing eviction. Okay. Let's find out your city, your state, the local courthouses, what we can do to try to stay your eviction. Uh, we're struggling with that. Okay. We're going to find you a home. We're going to organize together and, and, and find, you know, living. We're going to make sure you have food. Um, we're going to make sure you have, you know, um, um, toiletries and, and other supplies like that. Um, you know, I mean, those, those are things, and those are things that are going to make people listen to you a lot more. And, and they're things where you can use to teach people self-sustaining. Um, and of course, I mean, they're necessary for survival, um, and, and a moral obligation on top of that. So that is definitely something you should be out doing more than just protesting, but obviously these protests are important. Uh, so it is important to this disclaimer, uh, Obviously, we started this podcast. We just were kind of reading off a cup. We were friends reading. One had a podcast. And we went, what the hell? Let's record it and see what happens. Um, and what it's turned into and one of our goals since the beginning is hopefully you're reading along with this. Whatever organization you are in, whatever organizing you are doing, uh, you guys are reading along with this and you're reading groups, political education, whatever it is. Okay, And we can be an enhancement. We can be another voice, another perspective, a little more in-depth context to go along with that reading to enhance that group. Save that. Say, you know, your group is reading something probably shorter <laughs> and you're just reading this on your own. Uh, hopefully, you know, we can be your reading group for you. We can be political education for you and work that with you. And obviously, I mean, still form your own thoughts as if you were talking back to us, even if you can't bounce that off us and you can make your own notes and draw your own conclusions. Uh, but hopefully we're giving that second voice. We're giving you more than reading. Save that. Um, obviously, some works we summarize and hopefully in that case, we can be your enhanced cliff notes. Otherwise, some works we go basically word for word like this. In, in that case, hopefully we can be in your enhanced ebook. Whatever we can do to make these works accessible to you because the theory is important to get out there. And the theory is important to get out there because it should guide praxis. Because remember, theory is nothing. It's completely useless without praxis and praxis is theory and action. They're inseparable. They are tied at the hip. Amen. And speaking of uh, what David mentioned about if you, you know, because you're not able to go back and forth with us, you're absolutely able to go back and forth with us. If you were listening to an episode and you're like, gosh, darn it, I'd like to go back and forth with Nathan and David while I'm listening to this. Hell yeah. Come on down. We got a disc. We got, well, we don't have a discord. Dumb and awful. The podcast has a discord and we uh, camp out in it and, and, uh, sort of, sort of hang out there. And that's where we set up shop. So links in our uh, Twitter bio, if it's uh, expired for any reason, which it does from time to time, just email us or DM us. I'll get you the link. Um, and there's a there's a whole section down in there. Uh, it's in the Badlands. And that's where we go talk about theory because we try and keep the cool vibes, the chill vibes up top. And then we go talk about theory in a place where, you know, not everybody wants to go do that. Uh, that being said, if you wanted to send us an email uh, to try and have that back and forth dialogue. Probably not the best way to do it, but you know what? If you want to try it, I'm all I'm all here for it. And Better can, way to get a hold of me. Well, sh- yeah, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I still have to forward you most of the emails. I will see. Uh, that being said, you can send an email to us at it's marksmadnesspod at gmail dot com. Uh, if you want to get with us on the Twitter, uh, that's at marksmadnesspod. Uh, if you're listening to this. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, if David gets suspended and you see a bunch of extra retweets, that's David has taken over the Twitter for a week. Um, if David's not suspended, suspended, there's significantly less retweets. So, and so Nathan's hanging out. The doing dude stuff. who was the dad in 
uh, Get Out, who said, like, you know, I'll, I'll vote for Obama three times or whatever, who clearly does not get the point of his character in the movie, uh, said something stupid. I don't remember what it was. And I just being a smart ass on my personal Twitter made a joke about the fact that he's the character in Billy Madison that gets shot in the ass saying he deserved that. And I got booted off Twitter for a week. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. That'll be long over by the time you hear this, though. Hopefully, I don't get suspended again. Yes, hopefully, David does not get suspended again. That would be that would be very good. Um, but that being said, this has been uh, Mark's Madness Pod. Uh, my name is Nathan. My name's David. And we will talk to y'all next week. Bye. Bye.